Welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. First time in a long time. Sorry for uh, the delay. Uh, it's been since football season, really. I had the the great, great idea once upon a time of doing two episodes a week for this, plus doing Mac Football Pod with Justin and Caleb. You'll hear more from Justin later. Uh, and then I decided to do just one of the podcasts during the season. Uh, so I dropped this project. We're picking it back up now, now that it's the year of 2023, the year of our Lord, for real this time. Uh, we have Scott, who's going to be joining the newsletter now as a, uh, well, your title's kind of up in the air, Scott. I don't I don't know what we kind of landed on. Are you uh, somebody that knows football? Are you a football writer? I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what we're going to put on your tax forms, but you're one of those positions. Yeah, I mean, according to my notes written by my boss, it says ball knower slash football writer so i'm a boss now too so i have to see now i don't even know my own title now this is this is interesting this is a twist yeah you're your boss you're hr um my coffee maker guy you're you're everything to me so that's important whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on hold on hold on All right, you know what whatever yeah I'll, I'll make you your coffee that's fine yeah. i don't mind doing that uh but scott you're gonna be joining ipsy11.com pretty soon uh, or right now, we're right now doing this, I guess, uh, as a ball knower slash football writer. Uh, generally, what does that mean uh, to you? Um, I think more of the X's and O's, more of the schematic, more of the player eval stuff. I don't have quite the EMU Mac knowledge I think you do, but um, just with like my work and like a lot of what we do, um, we kind of expand into like player eval, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I want to focus on. And hopefully with specifically EMU and Mac, be able to break things down, see what I like about Eastern, what I don't like, what uh, we could learn about them, all that kind of stuff. Obviously you and I both know, like I, we've known each other uh, our whole lives essentially. So there is the trust value already there, but I am really bringing you on because I really do trust your football knowledge um, why, what, what have you done to stay active in this game? What is it that you do for work? Uh, so people that want to read your work that are interested in learning about the X's and O's, you know, at Ryan stadium throughout the Mac, uh, when they read your work, why are they going to know that Scott knows what the heck he's talking about? Because, uh, I don't know. What, what, what do you do for, for people to earn your trust as a football knower? Um, so I'm coming up on eight years with a company called Stats Perform. Yikes, used to be eight years. Yeah, I know, eight years now. Uh, used to be Stats LLC, and then it was just Stats, and then now it's Stats Perform after we merged with a uh, European company called Perform, which mainly focuses on um, soccer or football, as they call it. Um, Never heard of it. But I've done specifically uh, American football for the past eight years. Um, it's all player eval. Uh, working with schemes of what each team is doing, and then we just break down film. It's a lot of film uh, work. Usually I wake up Monday, I watch film, and then I go to sleep on Friday having watched 40 to 80 hours of film every week. That's not that's not a lie either. Like, I've, I've seen you in action. That's not a lie. You do put in that much, yeah. that much film. That's good, man. I, hey, I... You, you know I love having you around. You know I love, you know, that we get to grow as friends through this. And, like, we can kind of, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, join our interests together and kind of make this newsletter grow. Um, so I'm really excited to see how you can grow, you know, because like I, I trust your football knowledge and all that. I know a lot. I've learned a lot, you know, in talking to you. I learn a lot every time we hang out. But now that you're going to be able to put all those thoughts and all your knowledge into words on paper for everybody to like learn, digest and like actually like share around and have a discussion with. I'm really excited for that part of, you know, of you, you know, cause that's going to be really, oh, really good. That's really sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm excited <laughs> too. I'm excited to learn a lot from you just about, I don't know, writing in general, <laughs> just because it's not something I've really done before, but I don't know, I've seen you do it for years. It's something that seemed interesting and you make it look so easy. You can make everybody laugh and make everybody more knowledgeable. So that's something I admire about you too. Well, those are two great lies, and I appreciate those, Scott. Uh, uh, listen, let me give you. <laughs> I like had to one. say something, Alex. I had to say something. <laughs> listen, no, you don't. But I, well, I, I guess it is a podcast, so you do have to say something. But I'll give you one bit of knowledge, uh, or just like a piece of advice, I guess, uh, because you know you don't have to be like a Hemingway. You don't have to prove like anything when it comes to anything when it comes to writing. Just write what you like. If you like it, other people are going to like it too. Well, thank you. That, that's I, that's is that what you do then most of the time. What's that? That's what you do most of the time. I, I yeah, I, I think okay. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I I do like reading about EMU football. I wish there was more of it out there. Right. I write a bunch about you know a bunch of it. I could write more. Yeah, but I, I'd say I fulfill that. Okay. I like. It. Hey, uh, speaking of reading about EMU football, uh, I did see uh, something in the news today. Extra, extra, read all about it. I don't know how much. How much you saw it, but in the Detroit news, Tony Paul's on the scene. Uh, did you see that EMU and the USFL are working together, perhaps? I didn't see that, it, but then it was kind of like, yes, and then it was a no, so that's a yes again. I'm kind of like unsure what's going to happen, but it's just for practice, right? Just for EMU to hold practices for like the Detroit hub, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah that's the read of it so far, so... Uh, really quickly, the USFL, not the XFL, not the IFL, not the AFL, which is dead, actually. The AFL doesn't exist anymore, for real. Um, but the USFL, which is in its second season as in its resurgence, um, it's looking for hubs. So in its first comeback year, everything happened in, I believe it was Mobile or Birmingham, Alabama. And now it's trying to find like different destinations for multiple teams to just have their games in, you know, four four teams are going to be over there. Four teams are going to be over there. They found a couple hubs already for 2023. They found Memphis and New Orleans, or I'm sorry, Birmingham will continue to host the 2023 hub uh, for a bunch of these teams. There's going to be another hub in Memphis, so those are going to be two. The third that's already been hinted is Detroit. Now there has been an official word on that that'll happen on Thursday. Today's Tuesday as we talk. We're going to publish this thing on Wednesday, though. What is going to happen? They're going to have a you know press conference out uh, out of Ford Field. EMU's already kind of turned down the idea of there being games at Rynearson, but they didn't turn down uh, any reporting when there was questions about there being practices being held at Rynearson. So that might be the setup for the number of teams that are going to be in Detroit. One of them's, of course, going to be the Michigan Panthers. Proud to be a Panther fan. Uh, but we don't know the other teams that might be in that hub, too. There could be a fourth, but Detroit's probably definitely going to be that third. 
uh, but we'll get official word on Thursday. Exciting times. You'll get spring football in the area live. Yeah, directly in the area. Which is great because I, and you know me, man, as someone who grew up watching the Tigers and loving baseball in the area my whole life, I don't want to watch it. I'd much rather watch spring football. Yeah, that's a good point. You also like cat teams a lot, so Lions, Tigers, Panthers. Perfect. <laughs> I do like cat teams. Uh, Ohio Bobcats. Yeah, that's a good one. Good one. Uh, I don't like the Clemson Tigers, though. Not a fan of them. Do we count like Zips as Tigers or no? The Zips, it's Kangaroo. I know, like technically, but you know, they're the cats of. Australia, right? Oh, the, the the big cats of Australia. I think so, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aren't they closer to rabbits, though? Yeah, I think they're more like deer. But I was I was reaching. That was the first team I saw in the stroke quick. I was I was doing my best. Okay. Good lord, Scott! I'm going to change your title to like animal knower in a little bit. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'll only write about animals, and I love it. Makes sense. Uh, we kind of. You and I talked uh, the other day when we got coffee together about, you know, your role on this website and what your initial plans are going to be. Uh, do you know what you're going to write about for your first topic so you can kind of tease that a little bit? Oh, I can't even tease myself. No. <laughs> I don't even. You I'm can still do it. trying to figure out. Because there's what we talked about, maybe the bowl game, breaking down some of the big plays from that game. Um I don't know, and just like different plays that EMU runs over the course of the season. Uh, probably the bowl game thing, though. That's 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 my teaser of a tease, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to that game, not to flex, but I went to that game. Okay. Yeah, that's all. That's all I want to say about okay. that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, God. Hey, man. It, that was awesome, though. That was an awesome bowl win. I mean... Hell of a time to do it. Like, it was staged to do it. Like, uh, I mean, you know me. Like, I am, I feel, you know, confident, inconfident about, like, the way EMU is going to perform one week to the next, right? And a lot of times I am very comfortable with being pessimistic about the team situation. Uh, And I'm not afraid to admit that when I do feel that way. When it came up for this bowl game, when, you know, Everything was leading up to that. Selection Sunday happened. The game was announced. Weeks, there were weeks leading up to it. Not once did I think that EMU didn't have it in the bag. I thought that was going to be be good from the jump. I thought it was going to be hard. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, an easy win by any stretch. But I didn't think that EMU didn't have what it took to win. And it certainly helps when you have seniors that want to stick around and play out the bowl win instead of, you know, skip out and maybe prepare for the NFL draft. They had a couple of guys that maybe could have done that, but no, it total team effort and it led to a historic win. And that was an awesome sight to see live, man. It was super, super awesome. That's awesome. You still felt that way after like the first quarter too. Yeah. I mean like, so yeah, of course, San Jose state, they got off to that big lead, right? It was like 13, nothing, you know, it just, the thing that like that was tough about it was the quarterback was clearly making plays. The defense made some plays early on, but the quarterback definitely moved around, made big chunk plays like the first couple of drives, and that's that was kind of the hard part. But as the defense started to like settle in, 
started to simplify, like shorten up the potential for the quarterback. I kind of thought that, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I was able to ride that emotional roller coaster with them and kind of see things through. Like I just didn't feel the need to be, oh, crap, let's fold it in, you know, just 10 minutes into the game. I just didn't feel like that would have been a safe space to be in. Okay. Uh, but I do want to take this time really quickly. So while I have you on, let's really quickly run through the 2022 season. We're not going to hit every game and hit every Knicks, you know, every little detail of everything that happened. I just want to gloss over the season that was really quickly. Later on, we'll talk about uh, we as in the Royal We. Scott, you won't be here for that. But the Royal We will talk about the EMU roster as it looks forward to 2023 now that all these roster movements have happened transfers, graduations, signing classes, and whatnot. But right now, let's look at the season that was before we talk about the roster that will be heading into 23. Sound good? Sounds great. <laughs> you have no choice. Of course, it sounds great. Uh, but EMU, of course, uh, started out the season with the win over Eastern Kentucky, 42-34. Uh, to 34. Uh, I remember that game being you know, pretty tough. You know, obviously the win was pretty good. Eastern Kentucky, they went on to the playoff in the FCS, but I don't know how far they went, but they were pretty damn good. Uh, they had that one tight end who was really awesome. And I remember after the game, you know, the team was just like, you know, they were kind of bright-eyed. They're like, holy crap. Yeah, we feel good about this win, but holy crap, that's what it took against an FCS school. And we've got 11 more games to go. Hell yeah. <laughs> damn it. Uh, the week after that, Drop one to Louisiana, 21-49. to Bunch of turnovers, bunch of scores in the second half. Just no life out of EMU in that second half. Looked really, really bad. Um, and if you're feeling, you know, good through week one, bad through week two, how are you supposed to feel through week three after a win at Arizona State, 30-21? to uh, First ever regular season MAC win at a Pac-12 school. Scott, did you know that? Um, for Eastern, yeah, but for the Mac, was it for the Mac? For said? the Mac, I think I remember like that coming up at some point. But yeah, because uh, you reminded me just now. Of it. Was it the first ever Mac over Pac-12 win was just not this past season, but the season before in the 2021 okay. bowl games when Central beat um, Washington State. But yeah, uh, beat Arizona State. Of course, whenever you lose to EMU, that's like the last draw. So Herm Edwards had to get fired as soon as he like walked off the field. Not even. Didn't even hit the cement. Got the handshake. He's like, buddy, you got to go. Uh, you're feeling pretty good about that win. And then you come home to what? A 50-31 to 31 loss to Buffalo. Not a good way to open up the max season. Uh, yeah, it... At that point, when it comes to the roller coaster of like how you're supposed to feel about this team, you know, the first quarter against San Jose State, like we kind of referenced earlier, that's nothing. But like going through that Buffalo game, and then you go, you know, a 20 to 13 win over UMass, and then you have the historic win at Western Michigan, you're feeling amazing. And then you lose another 29, 29 point loss at home to NIU. That's the real roller coaster right there. That, that sucked. I hated that part of the year. Because how are you supposed to feel super confident about your odds of going to the MAC championship game at that point? 
you know, your biggest tough ahead, you know, your biggest task ahead of you at that point was the Toledo game two weeks later. Because, you know, if you win that, then you're pretty much in the driver's seat. But as far as confidence-wise goes, you know, NIU wasn't great. They won the MAC in 2021, but this past year, they were not great. And then just not not doing well at home, 0-3 against MAC teams, losing to Buffalo. Well, 0-2, actually, because you beat UMass, and then you lose to NIU. I don't know. I just... It's just hard. It's just hard to to come back from that point. I guess. Not impossible. Not impossible. I mean, they were close. They were definitely close. You go on the yeah. road, beat Ball State twenty to sixteen. All right, all right, all right. Maybe there's something there, because that is the first time in the year where one of the bigger problems of the season that Creighton kept pointing out in every post game, you know, post game speech and you know. Monday opening week press conference. He always emphasized the point of, hey, we didn't win the turnover battle this week. And finally, in week seven, it finally happened at Ball State. Uh, they won the turnover battle in that game, beat them by four. Okay, you're starting to feel a little bit more confident. Then you lose to Toledo at home. 27 to 24. Not 29 points. Didn't get smoked that point. Didn't get smoked that time. But you did have the lead in the fourth quarter. You did have the lead in the fourth quarter with two positions. And you did trail in the fourth quarter, but you did have two more possessions after that to right your wrongs, and you just didn't. And so that that did them in. You beat Akron, you beat Kent State, you beat Central Michigan. You know, all that gives you the Michigan Mac trophy with your wins over Western and Central. Yes, you go to a bowl game. Yes, you do finish this, the regular season with an 8-4 and four record. Yes, it's the best year that you've had since 1987. And yes, you do get that ninth win a couple weeks later in Boise on the blue turf in a historic setting. But goddamn, man, the two 29-point losses to Buffalo and to NIU, and then chase those with the three-point loss to Toledo, all those coming at home. You know, you, as much as like you really want great wins like the eastern kentucky wins actually a good game is like for people that really did watch and people that really do care about eastern that's a good win the arizona state win is obviously huge the western win and central wins added up obviously those are really huge those are both score wise the biggest wins in those series in a very long time and of course the san jose state win you can't can't talk enough about that but do those outweigh the three bad losses that really kept EMU away from the MAC championship, you know, circle? Like, I, those are two things that I'm really trying to balance with. You really want to be happy with the nine wins, but damn, dude, those four losses, especially three of those, fuck, man, they just they just suck. Yeah, but they got nine wins. Damn, I love that. Is That is some expert analysis <laughs> right there, man. Can't be mad at them, man. They won nine games. I was looking at it, right? So I was going back through other seasons. Like, this is the first time they had, like, a four-game winning streak in the same season in, like, I don't know, forever. Yeah. And I went back, like, ten years. I couldn't find anything. And then I assume it's got to be way longer than that, too. Yeah, it's the first. Yeah, that those four wins at Akron, at Kent State, 
against Central and then San Jose State. Yeah. You know, some half of those teams aren't any good. Um, and, but it is the first four, you know, clean four-win um, streak of the Creighton era, I do believe. Yeah, because I think they've won, like, back. Like, if you put two seasons back-to-back, they've won, like, two at the end of the season, like, two at the beginning of the next season. But mm-hmm. never, like, within the same season. Yeah. So, like, so let me ask you this, Scott, because when it comes to the divisions, the way it was split – EMU and Toledo both finished this, the the regular season with five and three records in MAC play. Obviously, because Toledo beat Eastern, Toledo went on to be the MAC West representatives in the MAC championship game. Ended up beating Ohio and ended up beating the bowl game too. So, you know, good yeah. finish for them. Respect where it's due. But when people say EMU was just three points away from from making the MAC championship game, me personally, I. I've never been able to totally be on board with that because I'm also looking at, as I've said a couple times already, 29-point loss to Buffalo, 29-point loss to NIU. Uh, the Buffalo game, I get it. The NIU game was just despicable because they really had no quarterback. They've, I mean, Scott, I'm excited for you to go back and like look back at that game and see who was actually active and see the way that NIU played because they ran the same, you know, the same oh, run yeah. play like 50 times. Yeah. That, that was un, just should not have happened. And so when people say they were three points away, I'm like, ah, I mean, really, they were like 30 points away, like twice. Because sure, you could beat Toledo. You could change any one of those, those late drives in the fourth quarter and we're talking about a different season here, a much better season here. But change an entire mindset, performance, everything that happened in Buffalo and NIU, and then we're seriously talking here. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, but yeah, they were three points away. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if yeah, they would have won that game. Yeah, they they were in the. They're likely going to win those last three still, hopefully. Um, and then they're in. They're into the MAC championship. So, logically, yeah, three points away. But I know what you mean. Like, they probably should have lost to NIU not only that badly, but at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's other things that could have gone differently. Things could have also gone differently in a bad way um, with some of these closer games. As well. uh, Scott, one more question, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, I already asked you about what you think your first post is going to be, and I think we've kind of settled on. Uh, you're going to write about the bowl game. Time yeah, but now you make me want to watch the NIU game. <laughs> right about well, that. I, I, hey, hey, hey! This no. This, my question was going to get your 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 brain working in that direction. What are some other posts you might want to work on? Oh, so this is random, but there's like this NIU game <laughs> when they lost by 29 and. What? And now you kept running the same play over and over again. It's oh, dude, I, what? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what went wrong to allow that to happen. See, I would have loved to, like, read something about that before, but, like, you know, there's nothing on my feed. Oh, okay, good. Maybe three months ago would have been a good time for that. But That's true. Now is, now is also great. Yeah, I, hey, anytime I can get my fix, I'll, you know, I'll read it. Okay, all right. I got you. Uh, Justin, another third of the Mac Football Pod, is now on. Uh, Ipsy 11 Audio, you're making your debut on here, buddy. It's a big night. 
Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you really mean that. You don't you don't want to spend time doing this. You'd rather be with your kid or your wife. You don't really mean that. You don't really mean the thank you. Oh, my kid is asleep. We're recording this in the evening, so I don't have the option to be with my child right now. We better be really quiet if we're going to talk about Eastern football then. Yeah, if my wife found out, that's why I woke him up. What's she going to do? I'm, I'm waiting. If she, oh uh, no, out, I mean, what's gonna she, she'd be. It does not matter which football team I'm talking about. She would be angry if I woke him up. She's going to hit you with the with the big old fifty pound wrench, huh? Yeah, exactly. We got some problems that even this won't fix. <laughs> uh, earlier, I talked with uh, football writer Scott about the season that was for Eastern. Uh, I just have a few letter grades for the other MAC teams, well, Eastern too, of just how they did across 2022. I'm not going to get too much into the weeds of all these teams. I'd rather just kind of give them a letter grade and move on. But when I give them a letter grade, Justin, I want you to give me a letter grade. I'm going to grade the football teams, and you grade my grade. Does that make sense? Sure does. Sweet. All right, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, alphabetical order with these teams. We're going to start with Akron. Uh, Akron, you know, year one under Joe Moorhead, had a two-win season. I'm going to give him a D plus. That's a pretty good grade. They uh, kind of had like two seasons, right? Um, I think you could – maybe give them a C minus if you consider how well they closed the end of the season. But I guess maybe not finishing that Buffalo game hurts them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like, in fairness, you know, what you do like seeing out of a team like that's going through a coaching change is, you know, you want to see competitiveness in the losses. Uh, a lot of losses, but seven of them were one score games. One of them was an overtime loss to an FCS school. So, I don't know. D-plus it is. Ball State. You go a little bit lower. You're getting a D. I'm just, like, really, really not impressed. A little bit better of a record. 5-7 and seven overall. 3-5 and five in MAC play. Uh, but, Jesus Christ, man. Did you realize that, like, 72% of Carson Steele's rush yards were made after contact? I did realize that, yes. And he also was one of the nation's leaders um, it, like in that category of like yards after contact in total. So it wasn't like, oh, he had a, hard, a high share of yards after contact and he was kind of just rushing for three yards at a time. Like, no, he would get hit in the backfield and run for eight yards. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. It sucks that he's leaving and, for UCLA. Well, it sucks for us. It's great for him. It's going to be great for his body. Like, yeah, he's probably going to go be playing some faster, bigger athletes in the Pac-12, but he's going to have a faster, bigger offensive line blocking for him. And so I'm very happy for him. Um, That said, I'm going to go just slightly higher and give them a C-. minus. They had a lot of roster turnover, and I actually thought they fought really good. That's fair. The thing is with Carson Steele, and you have I have like talked about this you know in private but he's going to a perfect destination where movies should be made about him not like of him well definitely of him starring him but him as a character is perfect you have you know this guy who was a really good athlete out of high school but under recruited he just goes to indiana uh turns out he just has like a pet iguana pet alligator i don't know what else he has probably like a pet gila monster too 
Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think, just to speed this up, I think that he would be a great, great character in a TV show, and what a better place to land than uh, Los Angeles, the city of angels. Yes. I Sorry, I also realize I'm messing this game up. I'm supposed to be just grading your grade, not being like, here's my grade. Um, so I give your grade of BSU a B plus. I like it. That works. <laughs> uh, Bowling Green played so much better than I thought they would, even at six and seven, which is just one more win than what Ball State had. I'm way more impressed with, with the year that Bowling Green had because they had more wins that than they should have than they should have had. Uh, six and seven overall, five and three in MAC play. They made it to a freaking bowl game when I thought Scott Loeffler should have been like sent out the door after the EKU loss. I'm going to give them a B. Forget it. I'm just going to give them a B. Why not? You don't get many Bs. Yeah, I'm giving that grade an A. I I think like if you had asked me, if you'd asked me closer to the end of the season, I still would have been like, oh well, you know, this team does still kind of suck. But when you step away from it, you hit the nail on the head. They made a bowl game. Like, what am I? What else can I say about that? There's not. There's no point in being like, well, they could have. You know, they're actually bad. Who gives a shit? That'll sort itself out next year. Point is, this year, they played an extra game. That's huge because they've been kind of toiling in obscurity for a little for a little bit since uh, um, Dino Babers left for Syracuse. So good on them. Now, the two obvious teams that like lost a lot in the transfer portal are Kent State and Western Michigan just in terms of guys that leave for Power 5 schools. Uh, third place, it's Bowling Green with four guys that left for, for Power 5 schools. So don't expect a lot of this to repeat itself in, you know, in next season. Don't ever expect good success out of Bowling Green to happen two years in a row. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely harder when you guys have guys have going out like that. Uh, Buffalo. <sighs> Started out bad, started out really bad with that Holy Cross loss. Then you did good, and then you didn't do so well. I'm going C plus. That's it's, this is the most C plusable team I think the MAC had this year. Uh, finished seven and six. Uh, shouldn't have, you know, should have lost to Akron in the end. Uh, finished five and three in MAC play, but still, you know, for the way this team was constructed. For, and I always have to like I shouldn't say I have to always do this but now that we're finished with the year two I do have to keep referencing the late start that Buffalo had with Mo Lindquist heading into year one and now I have to take year two more of like a year treat it more like a year one or more seriously I guess I don't know I like where Buffalo is headed it just wasn't able to put together all the pieces it probably wanted to didn't really string together full games either uh, C plus I don't know I Great grade. Perfect grade. No notes other than to just echo that Buffalo kind of set themselves up to get sort of a grade like this, right? You mentioned that they started poorly, but then they got kind of hot and, uh, you know, four weeks into the back season, that was kind of the de facto Mackey's champ, right? Like we were already crowning them. They had just beat Toledo, but like you mentioned, they didn't really finish games or didn't really play complete games. And that includes that Toledo win. They only played one good quarter in that game. It was the fourth quarter and it was a really good quarter. And they had to turn Toledo over to really put the nail in the coffin there. Um, so yeah, it a C plus as team. If I've ever seen one, 
And a lot of their games were like that, where they either played three pretty quality quarters and one really bad one, or they had one really awesome quarter and the other ones were like, well, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> Central Michigan, lots of injuries, lots of disappointments. Uh, kind of got fun towards the end, with especially the, the, um, the big snow game against Western. Uh, but still finished the season four and eight, three and five in MAC play. Maybe it's because I'm a hater, but I'm still giving them a D. Uh, just not, just didn't like what I saw out of them. You know, there was a lot of opportunity for them to to fall apart, and they absolutely did. And I kind of saw that in the preseason. Uh, and they just, I don't know, they just just didn't didn't meet expectations going into 2022. Maybe things can change next year, but. In 2022, I, I didn't like it. I'm giving them a D. If that grade at B minus, I think you feel the hate in your heart, and you should be harsher. They 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 failed. They outright failed this season. This is a team that in 2022 or the 2021 season was on paper the best damn team in the conference. Right? They just slipped up uh, in certain places. They had a wonky uh, comeback loss. Against NIU, they botched a, a pretty short field goal. On a, they didn't even get a chance to kick it. They snapped it weird or whatever. Like they sort of just succumbed to the succumbed to the um, NIU devil magic a little bit. And coming into this year, they had to replace a lot on defense. But like, come on, like it was. It seemed not open and shut, but it, you'd thought that this team would at least compete. Well, and for the two NFL call. linemen too. On offense, two NFL linemen, yeah, ended up being, you know, obviously a pretty big deal. Um, I think the assumption was Lou Nichols was uh, doing more work uh, than we thought. I think you were the first person, you were early on the boat of like, eh, be careful. <laughs> That's that ain't a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs help. And uh, that ended up being true. The team just fell apart. They were. You know, they couldn't do they seemed okay offensively but they couldn't do anything on offense till they were down by 28 points like which is very weird yeah it got a little exciting with Burt towards the end of the season but it was really just some late season shenanigans they lost the snow game against a dead coach walking against WMU mm-hmm. it they can't be feeling anything other than rotten in Mount Pleasant about this year EMU this is the team that everybody that listens to the show has been waiting for I'm giving them a B plus. You know, as uh, hey, stop throwing tomatoes at me. Stop, stop throwing tomatoes at me, everybody. Stop, stop, ah, ah, stop. This guy stinks. Yeah, it was a nine win season. Yeah, it's the best that you've ever seen in your life, especially if you're me, who's only thirty years old. Uh, But you know, the four losses, I get pretty emotional about how bad some of them were. The Toledo loss is the one that everybody will always stare at, and I understand it, and rightfully so. Uh, I will just always refer to how much work uh, this team needed to grow from after the Buffalo and NIU losses, both at home, both 29-point losses, uh, both pretty inexcusable. A lot of parts of the season were great, of course. Won the Michigan Mac outright with great scores in those games, especially like historically speaking in each of those series. You know, you have the Bull win, of course. You have the Arizona State win, which was really great. The Eastern Kentucky game doesn't really, you know, doesn't totally count as, like, one of the quality wins everyone's going to talk about. But, you know, as someone who, like, actually watched the game, like, I have a lot of respect for EKU and the season that they had. So I 
will give them, you know, that is like a good win. But other than that, I mean, you still lose to Toledo like you shouldn't have. You still lost to Buffalo like you shouldn't have. You still lost to NIU like you shouldn't have. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of parts where Eastern fell short and they started looking really really good towards the end of the season and they really blew out the opponents that they should have. And so that's all good. But the parts where they fell short, that's why you can't get the A for me. I give that grade an A minus. I think it's pretty much right. But on a couple counts, I think you're not being generous enough to your own moderator. That's fair. Because the NIU game, um, I remember that that was like the same day as Western Michigan homecoming. And so I was there watching them get pummeled by Ohio. But I remember while we were tailgating, I told everybody, I was like, EMU is going to lose today. Probably big. They shouldn't. But like at that point, NIU is the defending MAC champs. I think they started like 0 and 2 in MAC play. They were kind of in that mode where, okay, we don't have a choice other than like we can't lose this game or we're not defending our title. Right. They also didn't have a quarterback, but go on. NIU was going to throw everything at that game. And they did, including a little bit of Rocky Lombardi. They threw everything they had left <laughs> into like that three game. quarters of a leg. Correct. And then he never played again the rest of the season. And so what I'm saying is the importance of that game to NIU, not that it wasn't important to Eastern, and not that they don't understand how to stack them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, NIU, I don't think, was losing to anybody in the MAC on that day because they were just like, they packed an entire season's worth of good vibes into that game. Um, and at the time when they lost to Buffalo, Buffalo was on the verge of playing pretty hot. That was kind of like the start of Buffalo's streak where we started. That was Buffalo's first win. Pretty, right. That was when they were and 0-3 and they had just lost to Holy Cross. It's one of those losses that like looked really bad at the time, started to look not so bad, and then kind of started to look a little bit worse. But I think in the context they were they were on the verge of playing pretty well. Buffalo had figured something out at that point, and they unleashed it on Eastern. They got pretty unlucky there. Um, also give them credit for playing a really good first half against Louisiana. Um, like, they were in that game. There's a big old lightning delay. Like, I can't read too much into that. It's non-conference anyway. Right. This is a really solid season. Also, they beat... Uh, Eastern and Western, or sorry, they beat Central and Western by a combined 41 points. I'm not going to look it up, but I feel like that's never happened. Yeah, that's true. That, like, I know it's the that's biggest true. margin yeah, against I'll, Western, I'll and then I, yeah, I'll just say that's the biggest margin but against those two schools in the same season ever. Yeah, it, it's, it's an A. It's an A year for me. Uh, Kent State. <sighs> This is hard to grade, but I gave them a C minus. Um, I don't know. I felt like a D would have been too harsh. Uh, they definitely deserved to be in the C range for being five and seven, four and four in MAC play, uh, but it just fell just fell short in too many spots. Especially for as talented as this team was, you know, this is a team that has it's leading the MAC and having guys leave for the Power Five, seven transfers out into the P five. Um, it just I don't know, man. Just fell too short in too many areas, so I gotta give him a C minus. I'll give that grade a B. I think he could have went to the D. Yeah. I think he could have. Like I it's just relative to it's weird to say like Kent State has expectations, but like very clearly Sean Lewis had expectations. They were He's in the Mac Championship highly. game not too long ago. So No, I mean 
they were just expected to compete at a higher level and the talent flooding out to the power five suggests that yeah i mean that's why everyone thought they would be better the talent was obviously there and i know it takes more than just the skill positions to make this thing happen in this even in this conference um but you see where those wide receivers go and it's not like they really struggled offensively or anything like that like it was all still good i think most of the talent going to the p5 was on the offensive side of the ball right Mm -hmm. so you know, they got some defensive issues to sort out, but hey, that's part of the game too. And they didn't do it. It's just not a season that in that division that they should have. Miami was, oh God, this is another one that was hard to grade. Uh, I just gave him a C. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, in spirit, I wanted to give them a D because I just did not feel impressed at all with this team. Uh, but still finished with six and seven record, four and four over, four and four in MAC play. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of hard to like diss them too hard if you're gonna like be so close to five hundred. But I'm just not impressed, and I'm not. I don't know. Just not enthused by this team right now. So give them a C. Why not? Perfect grade. Yeah, uh, quarterback was hurt. Like that's. The long and short of it. Now they played like shit when he came back, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But it's it's hard to like give a team a D like that when they, you know, the quarterback they thought they were going to have all year, um, you know, up and died in the first half of the first game of the year. Yeah, like not much you can do about that except maybe not play him in a blowout right. <laughs> on the road in the SEC. But you know, um, it, it's it is what it is. N-I-U-F. Just going straight to F. Straight up. Just yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, that's like, got to be the yeah. easiest one, right? Look, injuries killed them, you know, and we already talked about Rocky Lombardi. Uh, this is a team that just cannot hold it together when it comes to, like, keeping transfers, especially at running back, the one position where you're supposed to, like, actually hold it down with the current leadership. Uh, two years in a row where you're seeing top top running backs leave your roster to transfer – uh, and your team, the performance, three and nine overall, two and six in Mac play, F. After winning the Mac championship the year before, F. Yeah, that Mac championship sandwich in between two pretty bad seasons. Um, you, I know that Rocky's hurt, but you can't look that bad. <laughs> you cannot get beat by Akron the way you got beat by Akron. Um, yeah, there's nothing good about that season. Yeah, I think that was it. Like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go D or not, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, they got their brains blown out by Akron. The breaks beat off of them by Akron. And I know it's like, eh, well, the game didn't matter at IU. Like, season's already over. They have bigger aspirations. And I'm like, dude. Uh, I'm not so sure that coach is around one more year. Yeah. If they have another like four win year next year or something like that. Yeah. Like, like they're not, if Rocky gets hurt again or something like that, like no one's going to listen to that anymore. It'll be done. Yeah. Like football not mattering to NIU in November. Yeah. That's not a good. That's the type of that taste will sit in your mouth for as long as the team doesn't win. 
they can erase it pretty quickly next year if they start if they rattle off some wins and open up pretty well in back play but like that is i think gonna sit for a while ohio i'm giving them an a minus there's no team on here that i'm giving an a outside of ohio and i'm giving them an a minus 10 and 4 overall 7 and 1 in mac play lost the mac championship game which stinks uh but that's obviously because you lose your quarterback you lose you know curtis work who had a hell of a year uh the team around him hell of a year not the best start to the year it wasn't like a you know what was the kind of year that makes you remember the greatness of like jordan lynch and you know all those niu teams from 10 years ago it wasn't that kind of 10 win season for ohio but damn did they perform damn were they fun uh yeah, I, I love the season that they had. Fell short in a couple spots, so I got to give them an A minus. But you know, hats off to them. Perfect grade. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. They did almost lose to Fordham at home. Um, they gave up the story of their season for me. Other than Curtis Rourke, is they gave up thirty points in a game in the opening six games, and then didn't give up more than 25 in any game the rest of the season with the exception of the bowl game. That's so good. It It's it's a crazy, crazy turnaround midseason on the defensive side of the ball because if that doesn't happen, there's no shot. Yeah, man, they played whatsoever. nasty. Like I, they, they just played downright nasty that second half of the year. I think that was mm-hmm. ultimately like the biggest thing for them. I'm with you. Uh, like I said, nobody's getting an A, so you know what I'm giving Toledo? B plus. B plus. Same grade as Eastern. Uh, another 9-1 season, 9-5, and 5-3 five, five and in MAC play. Um, you know, probably should have lost at Ypsilanti. Probably should have lost that game, but you didn't. Uh, Toledo, they played outstanding. Uh, they played up to, up to what I believe is the Toledo standard or what Toledo is, like, fully capable of just always being, especially in that first kind of, like, five or six weeks of the year uh wasn't consistently perfect you know the ohio state game the san diego state game they weren't perfect but they were still doing fine i thought uh and then they just kind of got a little bit more exposed as the year went on uh still one more games than you didn't obviously you got to benefit out of playing in one of the worst seasons side of the mac that i remember in a long time uh and it helps when you're already just like as far as raw talent goes, you're the best in the MAC in most seasons. Uh, this year, especially. So Toledo, B. Plus. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Is this the strangest season a MAC champion has had, like, of late? Uh, like, definitely the strangest the NIU, that I can remember. NIU last year was pretty strange to me. As much as, like, they kind of outclassed a lot of people in a lot of ways, and I like the kind of, like, cojones that they brought to the table a lot of the times. It wasn't like a great Mac champion team either. And I know you've called that out a bunch too. So I'm I'm reserving you as my source. Yeah, it's it's strange because it's like Also uh, Miami too. Miami in twenty nineteen wasn't all that great. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the team they faced off against wasn't really either. Like it was another when the Mac is kind of in these down years, it produces these weird champions. But the thing with Toledo is like, I think what makes it the most strange season for them is that, like you said, very clearly the most talented team 
and like gave itself every opportunity to not deserve it. Mm-hmm. And they, they pulled it off. And I think you looked at, you know, they gave up 42 points to Bowling Green on November 15th. And then a couple weeks later, they give up seven points to the best offense in the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Sands Rourke, but like absolutely locked it down. And I get why they were kind of sandbagging through the end of the season because they didn't need to win those games and they had already lost enough that there wasn't really any bowl positioning on the line. But I feel it's kind of robbed of like what could have, I think, been a really, really special season because they sort of, they really blew the ending against San Diego State. They really blew the Buffalo game. Like you said, they, they almost blew the Eastern Michigan game. They did blow Bowling Green. They lost to Western Michigan. And then they just looked great to end the season. They were just like, oh, yeah, we're Toledo. We got this. And I don't know. B-plus is a perfect grade for that. I think all told, like, it's that MAC championship game that, like, it's just super odd. Because, like, I think for both teams, it's just, like, 17-7, to even with Curtis Workout, like, that was just a low-scoring environment that with those two teams in there, like, I just – it still makes me feel uneasy. And that was – I shouldn't say uneasy, but, like, it still, like, makes me feel, like, a little bit empty in that game, right? Because that Mm -hmm. was, like, two months ago, and it's, like, I was expecting, like, you know, 30-something to 30-something, 40-something to 30-something, 20-something to 30-something, not 17 to 7. And, like, even the way, like, where Toledo was able to score, like, it wasn't like they forced their ways down the field each time either. So, all told, even when, like, Toledo didn't have a good enough season in the Eastern game, when Toledo didn't have a good enough season during the Buffalo game, when Toledo didn't have a good enough season, you know, during the San Diego State game, we still always believe that in the end, because all the other things that they have going right for them, they're just going to be so much better than anybody else. And they just didn't outclass Ohio when when the opportunity was there for them to do that. And in, like, a dome you know in right essentially home field environment it i think that was the f- that was the first game where i don't know like the the eventual champion of the mac doesn't really exist in the college football consciousness directly like in a big way but you know it still happens and for toledo like the only time they really existed in anybody's consciousness was when other people were doing cool shit to them <laughs> even when they won like, I think what people remember about the Toledo Ball State game uh, as a Maction game was like Carson Steele almost single handedly winning that yeah, game. Yeah. Right. That's the lasting memory from that game. The lasting memory from the Eastern Michigan game is how Eastern Michigan should have won it. They showed up in highlights when San Diego State drove the field to beat them. Um, you know, they show up when Bowling Green's hitting a Hail Mary in the snow. To beat them, right? Yeah, why is Bowling Green the one like winning that? I don't care if they're San if Toledo is not a hundred percent in it to win it. Like there's that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and they left the door open for them to potentially have a rematch in the Mac title game, which like from a rivalry standpoint, you should never let happen. But and then you get to December third, and then there they are. Like there was the team we were freaking waiting for all year. There they were, in control, never in doubt defense absolutely putting the clamps down and it just that never happened at all during the season like they only popped up 
when other people were having fun against them. And I just don't remember a Mac champion like that. Last team on the list, uh, going five and seven overall, four and four Mac play. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like a D grade, but I'm giving Western an F. Giving Western an F. What the hell, man? That offense was putrid. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's just like, I'm grading them on the scale of Western Michigan and they get an F. I think that's the right scale that's a perfect grade that's what i would give them that's what most of the fan base gave them uh that that's what uh, the school I gave them that's what the school gave them they uh they forked over some money to say we're gonna try a different direction here they um i think by SP plus that was one of the three worst offenses since 1970 yikes that they fielded it that they fielded that was a it's you know I, I know they had, you know, new quarterback, all that stuff. Right. But um, a new quarterback in year one or two is different than a new quarterback in year six. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what's going on at that point. Right. Um, and this isn't like they, a transfer in quarterback. This is like, no, he's been with the team. Who yeah. has entered this, the same, like entered the field, the same situation. The other quarterbacks from before have, you know, just be groomed up through the system, come up through the high school ranks and then wait a little bit. Etc. I think Jack Salpak was a, tr- I think he was a true freshman. However, right. It's like the same system. Now they did have a new offensive coordinator, but you know, what does that say? The offensive coordinator that they hired was like an old buddy of uh, the head coach. Um, yeah. He was very good. Michigan three head football. Dad, right? Yeah. Jeff Thorne. And um, you know, Jeff Thorne was a really, really good division three coach. So I, I don't mean to make that sound like a total, like, you know, uh, you're just you're, you're hiring your friends or whatever. Um, but he hired Tim hired his friends and it didn't work out. And this is kind of what happens. And they churned through offensive coordinators at WMU. There was really no consistency. Um, it's a huge drop off in offensive quality that you know they didn't want to wait to see how that recovered. And that season was just an absolute disaster. All right got through these grades we have a roster to look at now that you know a month the most major month of like roster movements have like already happened across college football yeah there's still like you know now late january early february through the summer which in between is going to have what spring the second transfer window more graduate transfers are going to move around other late junior college guys who graduate in may they're going to move around then there's going to be camp in the summer. Everything's going to, you know, going to like change a lot of teams, right? But I'd say about, we know about like 80%, 85% of like most team structural bones when it comes to like what the rosters are going to look like. And Eastern is no different. In fact, Eastern's probably like more set to know what the hell they have going for themselves moving forward than most teams do because you're in year 10 with your coach. You know, a lot of these guys, this is a culture where players don't really like try to leave all the time to like transfer out. Like, yeah, there's like 13 transfers out from Eastern this year, but only one of them leveled up to the P five. A couple are at the FCS level. So you don't really have that to worry about for Eastern. We know a lot of the positions we know of like, Guys that are returning, guys that are coming in, guys that are still trying to make a spot on the on the two deep. So let's 
So my idea is to go position by position by position and just kind of look around each room and see, okay, this I remember what it looked like last year. What does it kind of look like right now, now that, you know, the early signing period is behind us and we have, you know, next week's normal signing period beginning. Um, of course, if you're an Ipsy11.com subscriber, number one, thank you for, uh, for your support. Number two, you should have access to my roster tracker where I do this already pretty much every day where I go through all the positions and I just make sure everything looks nice. Make sure all the updates are there. Make sure you know who's coming back, who's left and why, how many years all the returners and new signees, how many how many years of eligibility they all have, and so, so on and so forth. So there's already a written version of what we're going to talk about, but now there's going to be a talked about version of what's been written about, starring Justin and I. Isn't that great? Uh, Justin, do you have your cheat sheet in front of you so we can go through all these? I do. Awesome. Uh, before we even begin, I mean, you you spend a lot of time watching Eastern, of course, because you're a Western grad. Uh, but some guys that are leaving, you know, who are some guys that like come to your, you know, come to mind right away in terms of like, okay, no matter who is coming back next year, this is a guy that they're definitely going to miss because he was so good last year. So I guess who's going to be like really, really hard to replace this year? Yeah, I know he didn't have the year that they expected to, but I, I think Hassan Beydoun will still be a big loss. It's not – not everybody's as talented as that guy, you know. Sometimes it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad to see him go from a Western perspective. But uh, that, I think, is going to be, you know – it's a guy who require, requires a lot of attention on the defensive side of the ball. And while they do have um, Lassiter, who I think was a revelation this year coming back and canoe um, and they'll be all, they'll be okay. I, I am curious to see uh, who steps into that third role. You know, as a Western fan, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't lead with Jose Ramirez because how much ass he kicked against Western Michigan in Kalamazoo. So you mentioned, though, as criteria of no matter who comes in, uh, who's going to replace them. It's not any disrespect to Jose Ramirez, but like EMU has a track record of churning out those dudes. Mm-hmm. Like one of them is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL right now. Pat O'Connor was no slouch in his day, preceded uh, Max Crosby. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jose Ramirez. I have no doubt that someone on the roster currently or who is about to join it is going to be that next dude. Huh. You heard it here first, folks. No need to worry about losing an All-American because Eastern's got it in the bag. Let's start on offense. Uh, let's start with, I don't know, what's what's a good position? What do you, what do you, what do you think, quarterback? Do you think quarterback's a good place to start? Quarterback, it's a pretty important position, I think. Yeah. This is a position where Eastern's fortunate enough to where like they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into at this point of the year, like very early during last summer. Here's what I mean. So this point last year, EMU saw its two top quarterbacks leave. Uh, ben Bryant, he went back to Cincinnati. And then Preston Hutchinson, who was the 2020 starter, he transferred out to the FCS level. So 
it brought in two transfers, a grad transfer in Taylor Powell. He's left after he started essentially half the year, split time with Austin Smith. And then Cameron McCoy, uh, a younger guy from he, – he lives in Michigan, but uh, he played in Cincinnati as a freshman or went there his first year. So those are the two transfers that came in to kind of sandwich Austin Smith in, who was a 2021 signee. So now Taylor Powell graduates. Austin Smith, who finally got um, some starting some starting time last year before he went down with an injury right before the end of the season, he'll be slotted in as the number one. Um, and that was kind of the expectation. You know, you, you did well as a high school recruit. You know, now... 2023 will be his third year in college, uh, so he'll be, you know, th- this is the time for you to, you know, to, to have the reins to lead the offense. Uh, behind him, you have that McCoy kid that I just talked about, dual threat kid. Uh, didn't really see him at all last year, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. that. That's a phrase I got to throw away. You know what? Is it too late to do a New Year's resolution, Justin? Because I, as much as I don't fall victim to it, I don't ever want to hear myself say, It'll be interesting to see. That's a difficult resolution, but I'm in favor of all of us making it. (laughs) I hate it, man. I hate saying it'll be interesting to see. And I also hate the phrase, um, it appears as if. When, like, (laughs) there's a very obvious thing that you're observing. Yeah, they're so easy to say, though. But it appears as if EMU has five quarterbacks that it'll have on the roster this year because I read mm-hmm. five names. See what I mean? Like that's just... mm. It'll be interesting to see if uh, someone plays quarterback this year. EMU knows who its top two quarterbacks are because uh, this is the situation that it saw for itself during camp last year. And this is, you know, a favorable spot to be in. They like Austin Smith. They like what he presented to the table. They didn't really go out of their way to bring in any transfer that would like probably damage that. I know they did bring in a junior college kid. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher his name, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Ike Udenguendu from uh, Mount San Antonio College. But California kid, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what he's going to present to the table. We'll, we'll see. Is that where Mount San Antonio College is? what I tell you? It's in California. Walnut, California. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a, that's a tough uh, tough college to really pin down exactly. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. But, uh, but yeah, quarterback-wise, EMU is they, – they just got to feel confident with where they're at. Uh, Austin Smith, he didn't, like, light the world on fire, but he's definitely got enough experience in this offense to know what he's doing. And you know what? You don't have to be the you know the best athlete on the field. You just have to be the best quarterback on your offense. Um, and Austin Smith might be that guy in twenty three. Is this the best shape the quarterback room has been in coming out of an off season in the last like five years? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I like. I mean, for me, I look. I want my teams to be as good as like the Madden rating says it is. Right. So. I don't know how good the quarterback the quarterback room is after Smith. I haven't seen McCoy play. I haven't seen you know the junior college guy that it brought last year, Brooks Blount. I haven't seen him throw a football. Haven't seen the the walk on that it brought on last year from the high school ranks. And I don't know what the new junior college guy is. 
Smith, I feel very confident in him, and I like him. I, I think he's got you know a good personality to him, and I like a lot that he brings to the table, right? But if he gets hurt, which, hey, everybody gets hurt. He himself has gotten hurt just last year. I don't know. I don't know what Eastern's going to get. I don't know what the room looks like after him. It's very young, and that's very favorable. But I don't know if it's something that you can rely on if a freak injury happens. It is nice to have like a guy that you know can do the job, though. Yeah. So and, I, and who more or less won the job throughout the season, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a um, is an added benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. He did. He definitely didn't take the job away. Like the starting job was definitely his after the Toledo loss. Mm. So I think that's that's a detail that I noticed. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I like where it's at, but. I don't know. We'll see. It's just just has to perform for, you know, for 12 weeks and then the 13th game or 14th, maybe. Who knows? Uh, looking at running backs, let's, let's just move right on down the line. Running backs, you lose Darius Boone to a transfer uh, and you graduate a walk on Michael Four. Uh, but other than that, you're looking at your top two guys coming back. Samson Evans, who led the Mac in, uh, in rush touchdowns. Jalen Jackson, who was a transfer from Lamar, uh, a kick returning extraordinaire as well. Uh, two different looking backs, you know, two different skill sets and all that. Behind them, we don't know too much. There's some guys that, you know, DJ Smith, Bryson Moss, they played a little bit, nothing too impressive. Uh, high school guy that they signed last year, another one coming in this year that both have potential. We'll see if they get to carry the rock this year, but at least looking at the top two spots, you, you still have Samson Evans, which, you know, love to see that. Really good running back, strong guy, smart running back, too. And Jalen Jackson with his skill set is, is incredible. Uh, you lose Boone, but it's not it's not that bad. You know, Darius Boone was, I think he was the tw- in a, the 2019 signing class, and he was, if I recall, the top-rated signee in that class. But still, he was only the third running back on the team, so I don't think he's too big of a loss there. No, the running back room returns all but like a game's worth of carries, give or take, like yeah. thirty total carries. Um, I I was super impressed with Samson Evans this year, like just an absolute breakout mm-hmm. from a guy that you know we already knew was really good. But man, that's that's going to be massive mm-hmm. for twenty twenty three. I like that Jackson was about as good as I expected him to be coming into this year. You know, little guy, like 5'7", 160-ish. Um, probably not too far off on listing his frame there. A uh, lot of speed. Like I said, uh, great kick returner. Once he had his second 80-plus return uh, of the season, like four games into the year, everybody kind of avoided him. So his his numbers definitely dropped off in that regard. So don't read kick return averages the same way you would like baseball you know, stats, Mm. but that guy is awesome. What he presents to the table on offense too. He's not afraid to, you know, run it up the middle when he gets the opportunity to. Uh, And he definitely gives Eastern's offense a chance to run with more tempo tempo. He can, you know, split out wide and kind of play some wide receiver there and use the speed there. But his usage isn't tremendously high. And I know a lot of fans would love to see more of him, you know, get more, get more touches, show more electricity. 
I just don't know if Eastern's set up to let him do that as much as fans would love to be able to plug him in on Madden and do that, but still gives Eastern's offense a lot of chance to change pace, change things up, and draw up different plays. Um, with the familiarity of Smith and having them be in their second year together, I I hope that there's some creativity coming with the run game between Smith and Jackson next year. And it better you know, it better happen because Evans and Jackson, they're both in their final year of eligibility too. So that's something to watch in 23. Yeah, using uh, using the kind of change of pace back to you know capture greater usage share, it comes at a price, and that price is that Samson Evans, according to collegefootballdata.com, was the most efficient running back in the MAC. Yeah, uh, at at the fourth highest usage in the MAC, so he wasn't quite. You know, obviously Carson Steele was the highest usage back, but the Samson was the best back in the MAC on a per play basis, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know every, every carry you take from him is a risk that you're going to get worse than that. Uh, sliding over to wide receivers, I know we talked about Dylan Drummond or not Dylan Drummond, Hassan Badoon a little bit. Uh, former, you know, nobody asked him to be here, walk-on, turned, 1,000-yard receiver, all-MAC receiver, team captain, and all that stuff. Dylan Drummond, who was a true freshman receiver, uh, saw the field as a true freshman. They were all true freshmen, I guess, at some point. Uh, saw the field as a true freshman, where Eastern was his only offer out of high school. Played all five, six, five, six years. I mean, COVID is just really throwing me off still. Um, mm-hmm. Played every year he was here, though. Uh, definitely came up big throughout this year. Uh, some big plays in the bowl game too. You know, wide receiver is definitely one of those spots where you can like luck your way into like finding wide receivers. That's why Eastern's able to get big playmakers out of guys where they only have one offer out of high school or zero. And you look at the three starters that led this team the past three years. It's really only been one offer between those three guys. Hassan was a former walk-on. Tanner Canoe was a former preferred walk-on. And Dylan Drummond, like I said, the one offer. Uh, so it's pretty incredible for how much success they were able to get out of only one scholarship offer being handed out between those three guys. Um, so you lose two of them. Tanner Canoe comes back, probably the best hands of those three. Darius Lassiter, someone who you referenced earlier. Um, his dad was a former NFLer. He's a Juco receiver himself. He didn't have the best very, very beginning of the season, but definitely was more reliable and was that fourth option that Eastern was very lucky to have this year. Uh, But after that, I don't really know what Eastern's got. You know, they got a couple of high school guys that we're excited to, to see, but, you know, you lose a few receivers, especially Zach Westmoreland, who they thought at the time when, when, uh, when he came in, that he was going to be like a steal from the P5 ranks. Now he transfers out left in the middle of the season. He's at Southern Illinois. Um, I like a couple of the options that they have, of course, with Canoe and Lassiter. And like I just said, you can, you know, you can luck your way into having another receiver or two out there if they just have a good summer and just have a good camp. Um, it's, I don't see how that couldn't happen. I just don't know who the third option is going to be. You know, last year, Eastern was happy to find that fourth option. Now we are looking to see who the third option is again. Yeah, I, mean, I think you kind of hit on it earlier. They, um, 
are very good at finding diamonds in the rough, so to speak, to use an old cliche, obviously. (laughs) But I think the wide receiving core has kind of always been built out of like third options, right? And I don't mean that as like a any disrespect to any of these guys. You could just look at it as they're all number ones. I mean, everybody's a third option. They really spread the ball around a lot just as a system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of Beidoun's 2021 season, under Creighton, this has really been not a program that has guys that put up really gaudy receiving numbers. Right, yeah, it's very, very spread out. Like, occasionally you'll have guys go for 700 yards. And again, like, that 2021 season's aberration because you had both, um, I think I think Drummond also went over 700 yards. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I mean, you have to go back to 2019 for Arthur Jackson's senior season. Yeah, 732 yards. So, um, I mean, that's a, that was a really that's a really good year, right? But um, you know, across 13 games, it's not like lighting it up. So they always have a lot of guys catching a lot of balls. Um, it's it's not all like one route, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's that's the point of like trying to get guys to EMU where like, Hey, none of you are going to be happy with your playing time, but I promise nine of you are going to see receptions tonight. And like, that's, that's what I remember a lot about like the, um, the Brogan rowback era was just like how much, especially like when he like was really cooking, like how much a lot of different guys were getting the balls too, you know? Yeah. Eastern's their old way of doing things. It was like, Especially, I should say, like, Creighton's first, like, few signing classes. It was, like, every other year he would, like, go out to California and find, like, four junior college wide receivers and bring them to Eastern. And, like, this would happen, like, every two years until now where, like, he's getting guys out of high school, you know, and and having the receiving room that he is. And, like, he kind of lucked into having the three amigos, Badoon, Drummond, Canoe, starting for as long as they did um and that kind of like didn't force Creighton to keep going into the well of having Juco guys now it's just Lassiter now it's just like a junior college receiver or two coming in there's two transfers coming in Terry Lockett from Michigan State Javon Swinton from Indiana um both of them are pretty unproven though so we don't I don't really know what to expect out of them uh let's just slide over to tight end really quickly don't have to spend too much time here. I think this is going to be a position that's done by committee. You have guys that are going to be, you know, your blocking specialists, your run blocking specialists. You're going to have your your guys that are better off at being big bodies that run downfield really fast and have better hands than the run blockers. Gunnar Oaks, he's dra- he's graduating out, but staying around, you have Jir Getzinger. He's a better blocker. Andres Poski, he's a... Uh, He's an international player that definitely came out of the scene last year. Um, showed pretty good hands. Max Reese, he redshirted last year. You know, he should be a really good receiver. He was a wide receiver in high school. Transitioned over to tight end in his first year. So, again, this is a position where, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see. This is It definitely looks like a position that's going to be played out by committee and by personnel package and by play call. Um, but I, you don't need your superstar to come out of this room either. I was actually shocked to see Gunnar Oak's numbers 
this year looking at it um, because my initial thought was like, uh, it's not a position that they use all that much, but I mean, relative to the reception totals to the rest of the guys, it's not necessarily true. He caught 27 passes um, and the tight ends as a room caught, uh, you know, like 43 passes or something like that. Um, just more passes than Darius Lasseter caught. So yeah, very interesting. I mean, it's not, something that I recall as being much of a weapon, but apparently it was. They need to open my eyes. Yeah, That's why I subscribed to That's why I subscribed to Ipsy 11. Uh, looking at O-line, we're not going to stare too much into this. It's a big room. Um, but you do lose three and maybe you could say a fourth starter on that O-line from the 2022 team um, from left to center you have Marcellus Johnson, who transferred to Missouri City Sal at the guard spot. He's graduating out. He'll begin the NFL. And Richard Bates, he's also graduating out. Uh, Jake Donilon, he was a starter. wasn't like a longtime starter or anything like that, but was still a starter. was on the 2016 signing class. He was injured during the preseason and would have otherwise added, you know, an important body with experience to that offensive line room. Um Thought there would have been a chance for him to get a medical shirt, but he's out. Uh, you still have a couple guys coming back on the right side. Uh, Alex Howie, he was a starter guard. Brian Dooley, team captain at tackle, he's coming back. Uh, some other guys that have had some starting time, Dimitri Douglas, Mickey Revolinsky, Revolinsky, but this isn't the most experienced starting unit right now. Um, so there's a lot that needs to be proven there. Um, one... It, it did bring in three transfers at O-line, but the only one I'm going to highlight right now is Chris Mayo from West Virginia. Um, if the 24-7 sports composite means anything, and if we want to just drum it up to being like so-and-so's raw score out of high school and just kind of let the debate sit with that, Chris Mayo is the most raw... I'm sorry. Chris Mayo is the best raw athlete out of high school for the offensive side of the ball that Eastern's brought onto the team in program history for as long, for as far as I can see. Um, so that alone, Hey, you know, he's got a good enough to score good enough score to keep me interested. Um, lots of years remaining on him. He's got three years left. So maybe he'll be an instant, you know, an instant somebody to start right away. Maybe he needs some more development, but he's definitely an option. Does it concern you graduating that many snaps? on a team that I shouldn't say that, I mean, obviously it does, but like concern you in that it's a team that's probably going to be carrying the, a little bit of weight of expectations next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That part is where I'm a little iffy. Cause like, if this were a team where like, if, if Austin Smith were a Taylor Powell, right. Where like he was that much older and like, I had so much more trust in like his quick throwing game. Um, and you had like the receivers to work with. I could see how like the pass, like a quick pass game, could kind of mask, you know, whatever inefficiency, whatever inefficiencies uh, a struggling or an unproven offensive line might present, right? But this is a team that has to run the ball, and like I know I always say that, but this is a team that actually did find success running the ball this time, and like wants to do more of it. And to run the ball, you have to lean forward and like actually like play with an attitude and like 
have some more familiarity with the guy to your left and right to find some success in the trenches. And so when you lose this many starters, you know, hopefully the new guys that come in, they are starter ready and they are ready to go. But right now, I just don't know if that'll be the case because you lose most of them. You know, if you lose two, okay, you lose three. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm scared. I'm nervous. What? So Yeah, I would be a little too. That's a thing that can really, um, you know, it can make you at the end of the season be like, hmm, what, you know, what went wrong? Everything felt so like it was supposed to be so good. And then like, oh, yeah, you know, that whole important thing where all the giant humans play. That's central to the sport as a whole. And is where the, most the, of the action's at. The reverse side of that, though, is that you if you have the guys on the roster that can play, and then we, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with our with my dumb not knowing much about offensive line brain, can't see that, right? Like, then the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. So it's it is a big opportunity too. Yeah. So hopefully Eastern's done enough to like you know stock its shelves with the right talent and like get them grooming into this situation. Like they brought in like a Colorado transfer last year. Uh, they had some other offensive line, line offensive linemen signed last year too that, you know, were, I don't know, pretty talented, I guess. Uh, this year, maybe the starting, the starter graduates out, but Dimitri Douglas, who was the center for a little bit, like the first three games the past year, maybe he's the new starter. And maybe Mickey Revolinsky, who filled in for Alex Howie when he was injured, maybe he just goes to the left side and, and plays a Sal. Or whatever. I don't know, left, right. I don't know what's going to happen there. But maybe he's one of the five. And then you just have to be like, okay, well, maybe this kid from West Virginia is the answer. Or, I, I, okay, I'll just say another name. Daniel Sunderman, because he's a graduate transfer. He's the only grad transfer Eastern brought on this year so far. Uh, he comes up from the D2 ranks, and he was a guard. So maybe he, you know, maybe he's actually good. Maybe he's, you know, NFL ready, but like, or has NFL potential, but wasn't able to show it in the D2 ranks. Maybe he's better than what we know. But yeah, I'd, I'd much rather keep most of an offensive line from a nine-win season than not. Right. A, a nine-win season um, that saw your best running back have the best year of his career. Uh, swapping over to defense, we're going to go at defensive line, inside and outside. Uh, on the inside, you lose Jordan Crawford to graduation. On the outside, you lose two great ends, of course, Jose Ramirez and Grant Truman. Jose Ramirez, of course, all, you know, all-American status. Uh, on the inside, Jordan Crawford, he was a former JUCO guy from Texas, uh, from the state of Texas, not UT, not a UT bounce back. Um, but he filled in time as a full year starter this year. He was doing well. The D line, they had a couple of injuries early and in preseason. Uh, Alex Merritt was hurt early in the season. Uh, Mikey Haney, he was injured. Jesus Christ. Every time I say this out loud, it makes me so mad. In the final 30 seconds of the spring game, when it was a torrential downpour outside. Are spring game injuries the worst thing in football? No, they're not. But are they? Uh, yeah, I can't imagine a worse time. Lots of talent across this D-line, though. Uh, looking inside, lots of experience coming back. No Crawford, but yes, Alex Merritt. Yes, Melvin Swindle. And yes, Peyton Price. 
Uh, Peyton Price especially had a really good year. I keep banging the drum for Melvin Swindle. I think he's a great talent. Just kind of waiting on that to uh, actually happen. Uh, and Alex Merritt, too. He's he's proven some, too. So uh, I'm sure they're excited for him to get back out there. Uh, outside on the ends, it sucks to lose as much talent and experience as those two guys had. But there's a lot of talent and potential to be had on the ends. Micah Coleman, he kind of got some playing time. And Carter Evans, uh, brother of Samson, you know, both of them saw the field and they've been doing well. There was Sterling Miles from Cincinnati. You might remember him because he blocked not one, not two, not... Well, yes, he did. Not one, not two, but yes, three kicks, uh, especially the one that you'll all probably remember from the bowl game. Um, Some other young guys, though, like Mikey Haney, he comes back from injury, like I said. Malik Bogard, he was the top signee in the 21 class. Messiah Blair, he's the top signee that EMU's ever had from the state of Michigan. It's pretty good. And Luke Fletcher, another freshman. Uh, You know, this room definitely has some potential, just hasn't seen a lot of it on the field in 22, mostly because it's been led by, like I said, Ramirez and Truman. But still, I like the spot where this this defensive line is at. When this defensive line brings it, the rest of the team just eats, like... If the defensive line does not have a good day, Eastern's probably not going to do well in the game. So when these guys do well, everything else kind of falls into place. And I like the state of this defensive line, even though that there's some unproven pieces. There's a lot. There's enough talent here to keep me interested and keep me optimistic. I guess there's a lot of returning players here. Yeah. Um. I'm curious, though, about you mentioned uh, of all these names that are returning, you mentioned Melvin Swindle. Um, what stands out to you for him as someone who he had two tackles for loss last year? Um, what is what what right and what shows up to you? You know, when you watch him, you know, on tape or during games that that shows that there's kind of some untapped potential there. I just like his activity when he's down there. You know, he gets really active when he's down there, and he's pretty strong in spurts. He hasn't had a ton of snaps on the field, but like you said, like, it's hard to, like, get stats at that position. But he's Mm -hmm. able to – he was able to make some plays in his limited playing time. Um, I am cheating. He did have a a really good uh, recruiting score out of high school, so that kind of swayed my decision to be excited for him when he did sign with Eastern and I have been ever since, I'll be honest, but still, I, I mean, he's still really good talent. Um, just thought there was a lot of potential in him. Yeah. I mean, that's as good of a reason as any to be excited about a guy, you know, they come in with potential and then are kind of waiting their turn. Right. Yeah. And um, like, I mean, I'll pull it up right now, but I don't think he was like, you know, someone with like a really good, like recruiting score, but not a lot of offers to go with it because that's always something that bothers me. Like, I shouldn't say bothers me, but like that's always like a tell. If like there's like a really good like recruiting score, but only like five offers, it's like uh, okay, I don't really know how much like I, I can believe on you. But you know this kid, he had, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up his list right now. Uh, his offers were from Eastern, Arkansas State, Iowa State, Kansas, Memphis, North Texas, Oklahoma State, South Dakota, and Texas Tech. Uh, couple of interests from Oklahoma and Arkansas as well. 
So not the longest list in the world, but still pretty good. Quality over quantity. Amen to that. Uh, linebacker, we're not going to dig too deep into that uh, because in its four two system, four two five system, which I don't know if they're going to keep running that next year. Um, Chase Klein and Joe Sparacio. Thought Joe Sparacio was going to graduate out. Nope. Both of them come back. Uh, Klein, Michigan State transfer. Sparacio, Boston College transfer. They lose Tariq Spates, our old friend. Um, you know, and it, actually, if uh, you're an Ipsy 11 subscriber, you can go back and read my discussion I had with Tariq, who is not playing football anymore. He's, you know, he's going pro in something else other than sports, huh? He's doing one of those. <laughs> but in a Q&A, I actually did ask him about the playing time that uh, he saw dip because he was a 2020 and 2021 starter. He was second on the team in tackles in 20, led the team in 21, and then he took a huge backseat in 22 in terms of playing time. And uh, I asked him a lot of things, and that was one of the questions was uh, what happened there. So you should go read that if you haven't. Uh, Joe Sparacio's second leading tackler for a loss on the team, which is pretty cool from that position. Hmm. Um, and I and thought an that would have happened to Klein. I thought Klein would have been the – the guy to get more of the TFLs. Yeah, I mean, Klein had two, so it's not like a, not a bet. We're not we're not talking about a substantial gap here <laughs> between those two guys, right? Uh, Klein three passes defended, so maybe a little bit more active um, in picking up crossing out slot receivers, that type of thing. <laughs> but um, you know, both really active linebackers. Ninety-one total tackles for Klein and eighty-nine for Sparacio. Uh, defensive backs um, in 22. So one thing that's important to note is that during the season, four games in, uh, Blake Bogan went down with a huge with a huge injury against Buffalo, and he missed the rest of the season. And from that point on, Eastern's defense went from being a too high safe a too high defense to one high, and the the free safety up top that ended up being Quintavious. Quintavious Scandrit, um, who was rising up through the ranks, you know, he was a freshman. He had four years of, uh, of eligibility at the time still, so very, very young. Uh, he should be still doing well there. But the corners, you know, the corners is probably like the strongest position on this defense, I think, especially with Kempton Shine, Mark Lee, who both entered the year as starters. They both did well throughout the year, and I don't think – they did anything to play themselves out of their roles. But then Joshua Scott came in last year as a junior college addition, and he was just as good as the starters, and it was hard to like keep him off the field. He moved around a lot when Eastern was trying to figure out what they were going to do with Bogan out of the picture. By the time the bowl game rolled around, Scott finally like found himself out in an island playing corner full-time again, and that's probably going to be the better long-term option for him because he's – Josh Scott is really good. So is Captain Shine. Um, but those are important to note. Safety, I mean, just a lot of guys like came in and out. You know, TJ Peavy, who's been around for a while, he moved around at safety, a, a third linebacker, slot corner, you know, just kind of filled in a lot there. Cam Smith, who was a 2021 signee out of like Euclid, Ohio, I believe, um, you know, he moved around a lot as a safety. A lot of moving parts on that, like from the safeties and corners. But generally, what I'm just going to tell you right now is that the corners are just really damn good for Eastern. And the safeties, they 
they asked a lot of the young guys to do well for the seniors. Like when Brandon Benson, he came up, but now he's graduating out. Russ Vaden, he started out, you know, as a starter on safe, as a starting safety, um, as a senior, but now he's graduated out. There was a lot put on the younger freshmen and sophomores for for them to do well when the seniors have to like get out of the way and you know prepare for graduation and while the team's like okay now you got to play well we got to you know do this thing a lot was put on the safety's plates and they they did perform well so now it's as eastern's trying to figure out what it's going to do with its defense now that its dc has uh has retired what its new defense is going to look like schematically what are all these talented guys going to do and trying to fill in these these pieces we don't really know too many of the answers there, but you do know that you have a lot of guys that are willing to work together. And of course, like I said, for now the third time, the corners are really good. I'm interested to see if this group can generate um, a bunch of takeaways. I don't think EMU ranked very highly in terms of like, um, I think it looked like they had like 13 interceptions, but I, I don't think it was a big takeaway driven defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it taken as at a, uh, as a whole season, right? No, you're right. Yeah, I because that like... was the thing that like Creighton was upset that, and I said this earlier on this episode, but like you know, a problem that Eastern had in the first half of the year was that it did not win the turnover battle until the Ball State game. Yeah, wow. I mean, and for a team that finished at nine and four, that's it's pretty difficult to do. Um, yeah, looking at it, they were seventh in the Mac in turnovers per game, one and a half. Uh, Buffalo led the way uh, defensively, followed by Western Michigan at 2.1. And then bottom of the league was Central Michigan. They were averaging fewer, less than a turnover created per game. So EMU kind of squarely in the middle. This is an experienced group um, that is – probably you know with the departure of jose ramirez probably not as much havoc going to be created in the backfield i know i said that you know they probably got a dude on the roster that's going to replace just fine all american levels one thing and it won't necessarily be replaced all next year i just assume there's going to be a few cleaner pockets next season than there were this year which means more opportunities to take that ball away uh if they can do it that's going to, I think, really catapult the entire defense and I think push the team to, you know, we talked about having kind of expectations. I think that will really push this team over the top. Because mm-hmm. um, imagine this year's team if they were turning people over twice a game instead of, you know, just over one. That's a good thought. I like where your head's at. Uh, last position group, kind of, sort of, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, really quickly, I just want to say thanks, Justin, for taking the time to do this. It's uh it's always fun to talk about Mac football with you and even more fun to just like read rosters, man. I love reading rosters. Are you kidding me? This is what January is made of. This is how you remember some guys, you know, uh, here are two guys that uh, Eastern had to remember Chad Ryland and Jake Julian, uh, Chad Ryland transferred out to be Maryland's kicker. And now he's like Mel Kuyper's number one kicker in this draft cycle. How about that? Um, he is a legend. Yeah, he left to be a kicker elsewhere. Jake Julian, he graduated out to be a punter uh, very shortly for the Patriots, and now he's like a free agent as far as I can see. Um, But still, EMU felt really, really good about their two leaders on the special teams units at kicker and punter. 
Um, and they don't. And, you know, this isn't like, I don't know. Eastern is not being fake at all when they say how much they care about special teams and how much it matters because that's how they got to the nine-win season, by having so much, like, by how much they gave a damn about special teams, not just this past year, but this whole time under Creighton. Anyways, tall order to, you know, ask anybody to replace both of those guys in the same year, and that's a lot of work for any coaching staff to replace two guys at these two spots that they care so much about, you know, you know, to do that, to do that right. And they found two guys that did a really, really good job. Like one where like I have people coming up to me and saying, is Jesus Gomez like actually like NFL good? And like, that might be the case. You know, Jesus Gomez, uh, Mexican kicker had a really good year. I think it was like the third or fourth game into the season where he tied a school record for banking a 55-yarder. Yeah, love seeing that. And Mitch Tomasek, he also did well uh, as a punter as well. Um, finished the regular season with the max best punting average. Uh, Jesus Gomez, I'm looking at the stats now. He was 13 of 16 on field goal tries. Perfect through all 43 PATs. Uh, but yeah, Jesus Gomez... I mean, what more can I say? He's made Mexicans are cool again. Mexicans are cool again. As a Mexican, I can say that. Uh, as a as a white, I cannot. <laughs> yes, you can. Well, I could. I'll allow it. No, actually, you All can't right. say it. Too many people will listen to this. You can tell me in private. Are there is he the only kicker in the MAC that is perfect on extra points? Because I feel like it's a rite of passage to like miss a couple. Oh, God. I'll look it up right now. All right. So there's a few of them that were perfect in PATs this year. Uh, Thomas Clucky of Toledo threw 52. Uh, Gomez already said that. Uh, Mason Lawler of Bowling Green threw 34. Andrew Glass of Kent State threw 31. And John Richardson of NIU, 31. Uh, A lone bright spot for the downtrodden Huskies. Yeah, but those the other, you know the other guys are in the 30s, other than uh, Clucky and Gomez. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? What do you think the odds are for this team, in terms of should this team be favorites? In no, you know what? This is how I'll ask it. This is how I'll ask it, and we'll get out of here. Uh, I'm going to give you 20, 20 votes. You're going to have twenty votes to work with, and those twenty votes represent the Mac Media this summer when they pick who is going to win their divisions. How many votes, how many first place votes is EMU going to get in the West? You mean j- just to win the division, not um, just the division. conference just championship? The division. Oh. Just the division. Of tw- and, and If I gave you 20 votes to work 20, with, how many do you think are going to go to oof. Eastern? So CMU is going to get one. I'm not one of them. They always do. I'm not one of them. Well, right. well, CMU does not always get one of them anymore. Oh, unfortunately. Uh, R.I.P. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. But this is a good time to point out that Bowling Green got one last year. Almost a great payoff on that one. Um, they did make it to Detroit, away. so. That listen, and if that was how they asked the question, he's technically correct. Um, 
I have a hard time thinking that they will be picked as favorites. They will not be a distant second, though. Like, maybe seven? That's still a good split, though. 13 and seven? Because my thought like, like, is, like... Like, if, like, if it's, like... If, if, well, if it's I only think, Fleeto and EMU getting them. I Like, I think people are going to give NIU first place votes. Oh, because of the help. And... Yeah, because, like, it's a different team with Rocky Lombardi, and they just have the pedigree. Like, I think someone would be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. It's the not counting out touchdown Tom of the Mac. Mm, Like, that's what they're going to do. And so, like, I think they'll snag a couple. And then, like, I don't know, maybe one, maybe someone tosses one ball state's way. So I'm just thinking there's some, like, split off votes or some weird votes for, like, Western or something like that. I don't know. Hey, man, Uh, Ball State won't be a bad choice because I don't know if you've seen the transfers that they came in, but. Uh, let's let's do this after uh, I hit end record on here, but I want you to look up Ball State's new quarterback. That's, oh, that's that, gonna be your homework. You know, you know, I'm a true sicko, and it's 11 p.m. Eastern on a school night, and I'm like, I cannot wait to look up the Ball State quarterback room. That's right. Um, shout out to John Paddock for uh, betting on himself as a preferred walk on at Illinois. Um, I hope it works out for him. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with seven or eight first place votes for EMU. I like it. 